tonight is our business meeting, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit and give you an idea about how that uh, you and I can do better in our Christian life. And uh, I-, I want you to know that uh, in the Bible, there's no way that we can take uh, finances out of the Bible and there's no way we can take faith out of the Bible. And if you concentrate too much on just one or the other, uh, they won't be able to work together. And so if you, if you realize that faith needs finances, but finances need faith, and Jesus tells us all about this, but let's go to Acts 26, and let's look now at uh, <clears throat> this whole subject. But uh, Jesus, he, he's going to be rewarded one day uh, because of his faith. Now you say, did Jesus need faith? Did he have to have faith? Well, he didn't have to have faith to go to heaven. He didn't have to have faith to get saved. didn't need it. But Jesus said to us, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you could ask this tree to be plucked up and cast in the sea. So he had faith. He asked us to exercise our faith. He, he said then there's faith in him. And, and when Paul was talking to Agrippa, He relayed his salvation experience. And while he was talking to the king, he gave his testimony of how he got saved. And Paul made a little, a little, uh, uh, he alluded to this, what I'm talking about tonight, that's going to reward Jesus even all that that he's going to experience because he had the faith that we could follow. And Paul said that we ought to follow his faith. And this all hooks into finances as well. So I'm going to show you something tonight. Let's go to Acts 26 and verse 15. <clears throat> now, or 14. And, and when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise, these are all the words of Jesus now, all the way to verse 18. Watch now, he says, rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and (coughs) of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, Uh, and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith, look at this last phrase, faith that is in me, faith that is in me, me if you want more faith you have to go to Christ Jesus and he'll give you extra faith he'll give you the faith that you need because faith is not something that is uh, static it's it's uh, uh, Romans 5 I believe it says from faith to faith you increase in faith the apostle said Lord help us increase our faith increase it now the way finances comes into this is Some people, uh, they're concentrating on money too much. 
And some people are concentrating on faith without realizing that it takes money. In other words, if you have something you want to do for the Lord, you can't, you can't be distracted from what God's called you to do, thinking too much of money. You have to realize that God's going to make it happen as you, as you focus on the Lord. It's like this, when you got married, did you really know each other? You thought you did, right? How many have ever uh, had your spouse threaten to strangle you? I've never have. I don't know what you're talking about. That's never happened to me. I'm just asking you. But anyway, but you thought you, you thought you knew. You, you, when, you, when you asked Jesus to come into your heart, you thought you knew him. Right? But you're growing, aren't you? So this, this step of faith. So when you, when you exercise faith, you can't be drawn away from faith thinking too much about the supply and the means and the mechanics. It all follows you. And so what happened, Jesus came to this earth and he suffered and died. He didn't care anything about money. He, he did not care one lick about money. In, in fact, he trusted his father to meet the needs. Remember he says, now I, I told you, uh, I sent you out two by two. Remember Jesus sent him out two by two? And he said, did you lack anything? You, did, your feet, did your shoes get all old? No, you didn't lack anything. The, the children in, the, in, the, in the, uh, the, the wilderness, they they went out by faith and God just supplied everything right with them. It's a miracle. People say, well, I can't have any children. Yeah, you can if, you, if God wants you to. Well, I can't afford them. Couples today say that so much. Let me tell you, that's not true. If anybody couldn't afford kids, it would be Julie and I with 11 of them. But we can afford them. Why? Because we're not paying for them. Everybody understand the spirit in which I speak. I'm not trying to tell you that you're out of God's will. That if you're concerned about how things are getting done. But I want to say something. By faith, we please God by faith. And if God's will is for you to do something, you step out by faith, I promise you, where God guides, He supplies. I'm living proof of that. And I'm supposed to be. But you know, Jesus came to this earth. He wasn't concerned anything about, too much about how everything was going to get done. Now, I'm speaking in, in terms of His humanity. Amen. He could have called 10,000 angels. There's nothing he couldn't have done. But did you know he subjected himself to the laws of humanity, didn't he? He got hungry. He got tired. He cried. He was emotionally uh, just beat up. They mocked and scourged him. There was so much that Jesus went and uh, uh, suffered for us. Jesus really, really did. He subjected himself by faith because he trusted in God. Did you know Jesus actually trusted his father? You say, well, did he need to? I don't, I don't really know uh, in the spirit, but I know one thing. In the flesh, he trusted God. He had to learn how to trust God. He had to learn how to step out by faith. And every time he did, God came through. But look at this last phrase. It says, sanctified by faith that is in me. Now, I want you to go to Revelation chapter 21, and I want you to see the rewards of his faith. 
Um, and, I, and I say this because tonight's our business meeting, and I thought, boy, this is really uh, appropriate because, you know, the Lord Jesus, there's going to be a tremendous reward for all of us. The inheritance that you and I will receive because we're saved is astounding. It's way over the top. It's so much that you, you if you analyze it, it's just too much to comprehend. It really is. We're going to be so much rewarded in riches and glory and honor and praise and, and, and peace and love and, and the fruits of all of our labors. And so if we live by faith, it will be financed one day. Uh, look, at, look at chapter 21, verse 18. Here's just a little picture of the reward that Jesus has. Now, you, you know that he, he created everything, but I'm speaking just in his humanity right now. I'm speaking only not of his Godhead, but in his humanity. You can see uh, he's proof that the faith has a reward to it. Let's look now. Let's look at verse 18. Uh, and the building of the wall was of jasper. These are jewels. Uh, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundation of the wall, the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, second sapphire, third chalcedony, and the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, and the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth sisophras, and the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. Beautiful jewelry, beautiful stones. These are garnished in the walls and in the foundation of heaven itself. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Must have been a big uh, oyster, amen. Uh, every several gate was of one pearl. <laughs> Man, somewhere locked up in this ocean, there must be some big pearls. And the street of the city was pure gold as it was transparent glass. So, the reward of, of the faith that Jesus had is tremendous. He's going to be rewarded. Now, you might say, well, yeah, he, he built the city. But wait a minute. Um, everything that you need to do God's will in your life will be supplied if we uh, act and operate by faith. Is that right? Let me say again. Did you know your spouse before you got married? Well, you did a little bit. But as the years go by, you know your spouse more and more, and you become one. Your, your faith, your step of faith at the altar was rewarded, wasn't it? Right? You know, it's just that way in every walk of life. You might get a brand new job. You might not know what to do much. But as you get into it, and you, 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 that you took the job, and you get going, and pretty soon you get to be just as good as everybody and maybe better than some. Uh, my dad told me when I got a job at the shipyard, I was apprehensive, kind of scared of it. All these guys were, you know, they'd been down at the shipyard for years and years and years, and I was a brand new guy. And my dad gave me some advice. He said, just made me feel so good inside. He said, oh, son, you'll, you'll rub shoulders with the best of them. And although my shoulders didn't come up to many of them, but... They, they, uh, they included me, and I got to learn some really good tricks. So I'm just saying that the step of faith is not, is not the end of it. It's the beginning of it, and then everything comes on 
at, behind you. And so you're, you're thinking now, where does this fit in? Well, the, the miracle powers of God are triggered by our faith and His Word uh, and, and the love of His Son. Everything else comes after that. Faith first, then comes finances. Faith first, then comes finances. Um, if you worry about how you're going to pay for everything at first, probably not going to get much done. But if you step out by faith and uh, you're, you're leading by the, led by the Lord, things go good. Now, when churches focus all their energy and all their attention on the Great Commission that we find in Matthew chapter 28, 19, and 20, if we're concerned about people getting saved, if we're concerned about uh, meeting the needs of folks, if we're concerned about teaching the Bible, if we're concerned about missions in different areas of the ministry that we should be focused on as a church, you know, then, then everything else uh, just comes naturally. Uh, faith first, then finance. And so that's, that's our, our uh, principle that we operate by in our church. God always finances his faith. You want to see a little picture of that? Look with me in Exodus chapter 36. God always finances what he wants done by faith. Exodus 36. So they are getting ready to build the tabernacle in the wilderness. They don't have anything. Uh, all they have is a bunch of Egyptian junk that they got from Egypt. They got uh, some gold and pots and pans and blankets and whatnot. And they got a bunch of animals. And I must say that they have a lot of it. <laughs> There's like two million people out in the wilderness. This is pretty big. And then God says, all I want you to do is build a tabernacle but I don't, want, I don't want to rain down money. I want you to do it by faith. And as soon as you get going, I'm going to have everybody give an offering. And uh, I'm going to let them give whatever they got. So God can turn your, your faith into finances. He can turn your faith into money. He can turn your faith into objects that, that you can use. And I, could, I have so many stories about how God has supplied our needs down through the years. But let's take a look really quickly of this miraculous intervention that God gave the children of Israel in the wilderness as they stepped out by faith. So now let's go to uh, uh, verse number one. Then wrought Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding know how to, to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab, and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come in, uh, into the work to do it. And they received of Moses all the offering. Here's, the, here's what they did. They gave, started giving all this stuff. And the, the stuff wasn't important. It's the heart that gave it. And then God used it. Look at this. Which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make with all, and they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. And all the wise men that wrought all the work in the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. And <clears throat> they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough. Amen. For the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment. And they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. 
Wow, that's the best Baptist church I've ever seen. Last verse, for the stuff. There's, that's a Bible word, by the way. The stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and what? Read that, say that again. Too much. They had too much stuff. Sounds like a time for a yard sale or something. They had too much. Stop bringing it in. That's enough. All right. See, that? not that a great spirit? Don't you wish we'd do that someday? It's just in the Bible. What a heart. Man, we just hang on to everything so much. Now, the cause of Christ must come first, and then the cash comes. Look at Second Chronicles. We're going to see another little illustration here. Second Chronicles. And uh, let's go to verse number 24, or chapter 24, 2 Chronicles 24. Have you ever heard of the chest of Joash? It's a wonderful story, but they just, they were going to do some repair work on the temple. They got it together, they bore a hole in this trunk, and people started giving. It was just fun. Now, I'm not, I'm not getting you ready for anything. I'm just saying, this must have been kind of fun to be in a church like that. Let's go to verse 4. And it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. And he gathered together the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out into the cities of Judah and gather of all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year and see that you hasten the matter. Howbeit the Levites hastened not. They, they didn't do it very fast. And the king called for Jehoiada chief and said unto him, Why hast thou not required of the Levites to bring in uh, out of Judah and out of Jerusalem the collection, according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and of the congregation of Israel, for the tabernacle of witness? For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, hath broke up the house of God, and also all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Balaam, Boy, this, this idolatry got into the church and it destroyed it. And at the king's commandment, watch this now, they made a chest and set it without the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation through Judah and Jerusalem to bring into the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, laid upon Israel in the wilderness. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought in and cast into the chest until they had made an end. And so the end of the story is they got the house fixed up again. And it was just the people just loving God and doing a great thing. Now let's, let's transition this from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Some people teach that tithing and giving like that is not really a New Testament. I know a man, uh, in my, in, in the, there was a class we had in the last year. I was a, a senior in college. And we had... Uh, we had to do like 25-page uh, term papers, and we take a subject and just exhaust it and try to come up with, uh, you know, a, just almost like a lawyer and build a case and, and, and give a paper. So one guy, he got a failing F for failure. Uh, the preacher found out what, he, what his paper was on, and uh, <laughs> he got an F, big red F, failure. Because he tried to build a case that tithing wasn't for the New Testament. You don't ever do that in a Baptist church. Amen. 
I mean, come on. No wonder. But it was true, though. He, he was, uh, well, he's not in the ministry anymore. Um, I, guess he's, I guess he is. He, he turned out to be a Lutheran pastor now. Uh, I love him. But anyway, um, Mark chapter 12. This, this issue is still now changed from those type of offerings in the Old Testament where if you, uh, you know, if you, if you had a pigeon, you could bring it to church and offer it. Aren't you glad we don't have a barbecue out there where everybody brings in a, a cow or something? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we, we take care of that in another offering out back? <laughs> barbecue. Oh, I smoked the brisket yesterday. Man, I, I cooked it a little too long, you know. Uh, but anyway, I'll tell you about that story later. Let's go to Mark 12. Mark 12 and verse 41. So in verse 41, it says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and behold how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow. She threw in two mites, which make a farthing. So she threw a farthing in there. And he, and he called unto his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, this that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. So you see, it's not how much, it's how much sacrifice, right? Amen? It's not, it's not the amount, it's how, what's the sacrifice. So... We never take for granted any, anything. When we take up offerings in the church, you know, I just I stopped worrying about it a long time ago. I can't worry about it. It's none of my business. I can't worry about it. I would, I would be in a mental hospital. Uh, do you know some of the offerings in our church, sometimes it's for a whole week. It's unspeakably low. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm not blaming anybody. Amen? But if you're not giving. No, no. It, you see, what happens is, it's just, you can't, you can't live that way. How many, of, how many of you are scared of your own checkbook sometimes? That's how you feel as a pastor. So I don't want to, oh, I don't want to look. But so what happens is, you can't, you can't run your life on finances. You, you say, well, we, we have, de- everybody's got debt. You know what, we just say, Listen, uh, you know what? We're going to have a class this year coming up. We're going to help you with your finances. Amen? How many of you are so rich and, and good and wonderful, you never make mistakes? I mean, it, you do make mistakes, don't you? How many, how, how many understand that we can all learn a little bit better how to handle our finances? Because faith will be financed. I, I tell you, it's in the Bible. So Jesus watched, and this poor lady, uh, she gave everything she had. It wasn't much, just a farthing, but I like her spirit. Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 7, because when we transition over to the New Testament, God still requires that if you're going to live by faith, uh, just just give by faith, trust God with your finances, put the Lord first. Don't pay too much attention to it. Sometimes, uh, you know, I had a man come to me one time years ago, and he said, 
Um, well, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, we, uh, we would pay our preacher. Uh, I got to make sure that uh, I'm getting what I'm paying for. And I thought, oh, we're going to have that conversation. You don't, you don't pay the preacher. What you do is you give to the Lord, and then he takes care of the preacher. Understand in a small church like this, it's not the offerings really that, that does it. I, I, I live because I'm called of God. And he, it, I, I could write a book on what he's done. So I'm not giving a guilt trip on anybody. I'm just saying, you give to Jesus, he'll take care of your family. And if it's, it, you know, that's, that's borne out. You, you be a giver and you give to the Lord. And you get, when, when you give to the Lord, you don't pay attention to anything else. I have given money in times in the offering plate. And I know it was used for bad stuff that, that, that was kind of dumb. That was used for things I disagreed with. And I just said, I didn't give it to that. I gave, I gave it to the other reason. Amen. How many, how many of you pay taxes? Okay. Wait a minute. We got more people in this church than, than hands were raised. All right. How many pay taxes? Go ahead. All right. How many, how many don't pay taxes? But I disagree with all this nonsense that they're doing with my tax money. I, I wish it was run like our church, but it isn't. Oh, man, I could go off on that. Those poor kids out there in, in the schools, you know, they're more money, more money, more money, more money. And they're the low education level going down and down and down and down. Money going up and up and up. The teachers' unions are going bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And the poor kids are going, duh. I don't know what two and two is. You know what they're teaching kids nowadays? Well, if you don't really think two and two is four, we're with you. (laughs) Whatever you think. That's what it's that's it's doing the way that's what gender's going, or that's what they're saying. It's gonna go for every single thing in the world. How many you know what I okay, one more rabbit. I got time. You know what I can't stand hearing about is this uh I'm non-binary. Okay, I just hate that term. You know what binary is? It's either off or on. <laughs> you ever start your car on a nine a non-binary battery? Listen, you get a non-binary battery, you got a fire in your car. I just, that's not even in this message. Did, did we go, did we go to, get, would you please just get back to the Bible here? Hebrews 7, verse number 5. Amen? <laughs> and verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. That is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had uh, the promises. 
And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. And what he's just saying is that uh, Melchizedek received tithes of Abraham. And do you know what Melchizedek was a type of? Christ. When you give, you, you tithe to the Lord. It's not to me or the church or anything. It's to the Lord. It, it's to or the church. It's to the Lord. You're actually doing that for Christ. So tonight, there is a, there is a transition. Now it's the local church. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I'm right on time. Man, I, I, my arm's not long enough to give myself a pat on the back. So I'm not going to try that. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 1, chapter 16, All right, verse number 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whosoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality to Jerusalem. So he was a missionary. He's going to take an offering to Jerusalem to help the poor saints. This is not an admonition that you're not supposed to give to the church. It's, supposed, it's that, that the progress and, and the promotion... And, and, the, and the program, if you will, for giving is on the first day of the week. As God has proper, prospered you, get ready because there will be missionaries come. By the way, Brother Lane's coming in March and uh, Brother Russell's coming for Easter. We're going to try to do all we can for them. And there's no set, there's no set minimum. There's no set limit. We just want to be a blessing to people. Is that right? Because if you were a missionary and you came to our church, you probably wouldn't think that we could do much for you. But if we're praying for you and then we're giving something to you and helping you, maybe give you a hotel and a meal and maybe some gas, my goodness, people love that. You know what they say about churches our size? Here's what they say. They say, I was blessed more in your church than I was in one of the big churches. I love that testimony. I want that testimony as much as we can. We've, but it's, it's, it's through the giving and the offerings. And then lastly, I want to give you one more. Now let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. So God has a plan for you and me and all of our church to take care of this building and have joy in our hearts and be givers and, uh, and take our faith and have, have our faith financed. It's, it's a wonderful thing. All right, let's look at Philippians 4 and 13. Remember this verse? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now go to verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, real quick, lastly, who was Paul talking to? The Philippians, right? Did he say in this verse, number 19, did he say... My God shall supply all my need. No. It wasn't that he was trying to get something, was he? What did he say? He was talking to the church. 
And he said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know why he could say that? Because he had all his needs taken care of. He wanted the blessing to the people. He wanted God to bless the families and the individuals. So I'll say this as your friend, as your pastor. If you're not tithing, you need to do that. You need to do that. You know what happens? If people don't tithe, and I never, I hardly ever preach on this, but what happens is you get behind, and then you get your lifestyle gets to where you're so used to not doing it. I've talked to new Christians, and they, they've gone so long without giving anything to God. What happens is they start thinking, like, I can't do that. I got too many bills. I'm going to die. We're all going to starve. I said, well, that's not true but I know how you feel because your lifestyle doesn't, doesn't include giving to God. And boy, don't get out of that. God doesn't need everything. How about just, how about a farthing? Anybody got a farthing? Let's have farthing Sunday. <laughs> At least you can start somewhere. No, I know uh, that many good Christians have been used to giving praise God for it but that's what we're involved with you see in the Old Testament they were giving right in the transition period where Jesus was they were giving he watched them do it and then in the New Testament they were sacrificing and helping one another do that it's a wonderful blessing so let's not be let's not be intimidated by preaching on money let's not be sad tonight amen let's be happy okay and let's have a business meeting. <laughs> let's bow our heads for prayer. Let's do this. Let's go ahead and have prayer. Let's, uh, 